I don't think I've seen anyone surf faster out there. I know that's a big call, but he's incredible the way he surfs that wave. Um, not as good in the barrel as Robbo out there, but in on the open face, like just as good as anyone. Welcome to The Drop, a Stab podcast. My name is Danny Johnson, and this week on the show, we've got Mike and Stace from Stab Cusp. Mikey's coming to us from Hawaii, and the boys are back to tear apart the vans, triple crown of surfing that's about to get started, and let us know what's happening over there. But before we do that, let's hear about the past week in surfing from Stab's editor, big dick power surfer, Brendan Buckley. I'm good. I'm good at the lovely uh, Hyatt Regency. You might see a plane take off right next to my head while we do this. Right oh, LAX. one of those classy airport hotels. Yeah, it's very nice. My life is so boring compared to yours. I've given up even communicating in any time zone other than Australian. I, I know that I just make you figure it out at this point. I don't even, have you noticed that? I don't even try and work out what time it'll be on your end when we link up. I have noticed that your life is a lot more boring than mine, yeah. <laughs> so tell tell us what you're up to. What's what's this vagabond Buckley doing at the moment? Just skipping around country to country? Yeah, just uh being the climate change I want to see in the world. <laughs> <laughs> what important business are you are you on, Buck? What are you up to? What tell us tell us? I am going to the North Shore of Oahu. I don't know if you heard of it, but it's a very nice place. And I'll be working on the pickup while I'm there for the next six weeks, I think. Are the viewers going to get to see your head? Because a lot of people only hear your voice. Are we going to get to see you on camera? I'm not sure. Right now, I think I'm just going to be a behind-the-scenes guy, but I could try to sneak my head into a few shots. Can we get your head on there somewhere? Please. There was this thing. Well, there was this thing. I was in Portugal once, and... Red Bull was doing like a this like big lead up to the world championship and like profiling all the contenders and Kanoe Garashi was one. And I was on a Quicksilver project in Portugal where he was involved. And so they were filming as, at the same time as we were filming our Quicksilver thing and they came to the beach one day and just to like show Kanoe's life at that time and they're saying, oh, he's on this thing, blah, blah, blah. And there's like 25 people on the beach. They asked every single person to sign a waiver except for me because it was Halloween the night before and I went to a bar and some old Portuguese woman painted my face like a spooky skeleton. <laughs> and I was like, fucking, this is awesome. I'm leaving this for as long as I can, which was well into the next day. And so I think they actively tried to get my head out of every shot. Like they were, I was the only person like strangers way down the beach, sign this form, not me. And I got in and I have a screenshot yes. I can show you. Can we please give you a challenge, even if you have to print your face out and stick it up in the set? It can be a fun game for us all to play when we watch on at home. I'll get my head in there. All right, I'll do it. I don't know if I can do a spooky face, but I'll get in there and it'll be that head will be ready for the viewers. It's oh. for the viewers and for you, Danny. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wait, listeners, sorry. <laughs> well, they will be viewers. Yeah, listeners turn viewers. Chop hops into barrels are now an occurrence. Uh, chop hops are trending. We talked about Switzerland last week. Uh, this time, the chop hop was done a little bit of a more, some people call it more dangerous wave, Nazare it's called. Mm -hmm. uh, the toe challenge ran there earlier this week. And yeah, Lucas Chumbochianca literally did like a 360 chop up thing like they do there and then got tubed on the same wave. And that's like the thing that just, I guess we're supposed to accept as, as real life now. Yeah. Hey, Buck, remember when I said that I'd never watched a big wave event? Yeah. Well, this one just so happened to show up at the perfect time, got the little notification from the WSL. So I said, you know what? I'm already on the couch. I'm going to click play. And there I was. I had my inaugural viewing of a big wave event. How'd you go? Well, at first I was so bored of the waves because there were these big marshy burgers. But I do love Paul Evans and Ben Mundy's commentary so much. So that was enough oh to- Oh my God. How good are they? I was loving them. <laughs> They're the best. They're so good. I, I love their podcast. It's not the length. I would listen to any event regardless of how shitty the waves were if they were commentating. So I, I was like, I was locked in. And the waves were pretty underwhelming. And I was like, is this, is this really what a big wave event is? This is only 10 minutes 
and only a couple of sets, but they were really unimpressive. And then all of a sudden, Kai got this choppy, weird one. And I mean, he was doing a few chop hops and stuff, which to me is impressive, but it also maybe also highlights that the waves aren't as crazy as they could be if you can just do a top chop hop at the top. I don't know. But anyway, so he gets this weird right with a crazy warble in it and he's probably deeper than he should be and he eats shit and then he's like coming in towards the the cliffs and he almost gets, you know, smashed in that sense but then they go in for the rescue and then they get flipped and the whole thing just turns into a total catastrophe and they end up on the beach and I was, I was like, oh, this is it. I'm in. So he's going to pull the trigger. Yeah, we got some activity here. Three to go. Here goes Kyleni. This wave, you just see this thing just doubling up into that big, crazy A-frame. And he unseated himself. And I tell you what, if you're getting speed wobbles undoing Kyle Lenny, you know there's some power there. And that's not a great spot to be. So Lenny going down there, just getting those big wobbles. And here's the pickup. It's nicely done, Lenny, on the back of the ski. Trumbo getting the gas, just outrunning this one down, literally in the shadow of the rocks. And that was nasty. Uh, I'm a big wave event fan just got me they got you just like that and yeah. that's funny because i mean the whole the whole deal with that thing like you see way more waves than a normal big wave event way more waves ridden because you know they got skis and so the fact that it still almost bored you and they pretty much had to crash a jet ski to make you <laughs> like it it's a bit telling you're like ah, hey, come on you're like a guy's doing a 360 chop up you're like eh well, <laughs> I don't know. Just, like, there were some great highlights in the end, but just at the start, the very my first ten minutes of watching were, wow, that is they're just straight handers that are pretty fat, and and there's not a lot going on. There's no turns, tubes, or or wipeouts, and so yeah, it took a little while, but I'm on board. I'm uh, I, I completely admit that I was wrong, and they're they're actually pretty entertaining. And you know, it wasn't even as big as I think the day before was much bigger, but it was foggy, like just you couldn't see anything fog, so they couldn't run. And I think they were hoping this well would stick around more than it did. Like, it was not, it wasn't that big. Like, I think if if the event wasn't on, there probably would have been people trying to paddle that. And even if they did successfully, it wouldn't have probably really won, like, a you know, an award for the season or whatever. And that's funny, too. Like, like we said, Paul and Ben's commentary was so good. I don't know if it, I, they have such good chemistry and, Maybe we also had something to do with Santa Monica being asleep because I felt like some of the shit they were saying was pretty loose, like much, like refreshingly much more loose than a normal WSL broadcast. But well, well, I think that's that's why it's so good because typically a big wave broadcaster are always hyping up the drama and the significance of big wave surfing and how full on it is. But those two are just so whimsical. And they just don't, they have an element when they're not taking anything serious until they have to. And so it just seems like a good time. Yeah. And it, they're just not, they're not shy to crack a couple of jokes. They're great. Oh man. And I was talking because Paul has been writing for us now. He's a, he's a, a writer for Stab Premium full on. So I was talking to him. He wrote a really nice piece about Nazare and basically how the perception changed from the first few years. Everybody just kind of being like, oh, this place is a burger. Who cares? Whatever. And now it's like, got that hbo show and it's got all this attention and hype and it's like you know people are like okay shit this way is gnarly i don't know if i want to serve it but it's it's not that it's not a burger it's not as bad as people were ridiculing it so good read on there but i was talking to him and they they didn't have they're the only commentators like they had to do i think it was like a six-hour event and they didn't get gaps. When I was talking to him, he even said that, you know, him and Ben were the real heroes of Nazare for grinding through it. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Slater releases new fin company. Endorphins. It really? Did you see this one, Danny? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, you know what? I used to, actually used to work at FCS in their marketing department back in the you did. day. And Kelly was Kelly was their number one team writer. And like anyone knows, any hardware with Kelly Slater's name attached to it, just the product just flies off the shelves. Not so much with soft goods like clothes and things like that. But yeah, anything with Kelly Slater's name to it is when it's a, you know, a bit of hardware is just obviously so proven. And so it's the ultimate marketing tool. So he's the number one team rider, most expensive team rider. And then 
not long after I was there, I was chatting to, to some friends and Kelly decided to leave, not to go anywhere elsewhere necessarily, but he ended his contract and he was still using FCS Finn. So they were in a way, they couldn't use him in marketing anymore, but they were a little bit like, oh my God, Kelly Slater just became our cheapest team rider, like free. But in saying that, they always knew that the, this time would come and Ooh. it took it. It took, I think, I, I was going to say like 10, 12 years for him to act on that freedom where he could he could actually do something and then he's he's done it and he's shocked everyone by coming out with what's essentially the equivalent of like a local hamburger store and and them coming up with a classic hamburger pun for the name of the item on the menu with a with a pun ah i know i mean the fins look great but i can't get my i can't get around the name like i've just been i've been trying and it almost sounds like one of those ones that somebody like said as a joke and then somehow like have you ever been in a situation like that where you might say something as a joke in the meeting and then everybody else likes it and then actually moves forward (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness no but far out i wonder if that is the how do you say it etymology the no what's the origins of something yeah etymology is like i think that's more like tracing the word back to the root but we call that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so do you think that's what happened? There that, was just a just a, a, a quip in a meeting and then it stuck? That's kind of my feeling, although at the same time, it makes sense. Like, fins are kind of dorky and, like, you should maybe have a pun. Like, I think there's even another fin company called Fanatic that's, like, you could sample oh, any God. fins that you want. And so I think maybe, maybe that's just what you got to do in the fin world is just come up with, like, a real shit pun. And then, yeah, P- puns are really popular in newspaper headlines and things like that. Grab people's attention. You've only got a short amount of time. The paper's only relevant for a day. So the pun is effective in that scenario. But when it's a product that you're planning on using, and I mean, I'm sure they hope it lasts for a long time, does it not become annoying over time or do we just forget that it's a pun? I guess we'll have to find out. I mean, I, can you imagine like just saying endorphins? Like, I can't imagine it really sticking. I, I don't know. I can't. <laughs> Like, it doesn't seem like it could just work its way into, like, normal vernacular. Like, hey, are those the endorphins? Like, is that is that what's going to happen? Like, <laughs> like, what? You know what I mean? Like, how is that going to happen? Like, what? And then I, I was even trying to take the pun a step further. And I was thinking, like, you know, if you do a turn, kind of get your fins out. It's the fucking neurochemicals flying everywhere, you know? It's like, <laughs> like what are we doing? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm I'm in, I'm in, and I've even I've been meaning to do like a deep dive into the world of fins, and now I think I just need to call that fin formation. And so, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. so I guess I'm in. Any others? What else? You, what else you got? I got finspiration. I think the my best one though, I think is fin formation. I think I just need to do a story, and just in honor of the greatest surf of all time, just go ahead and roll out with fin formation. Like I, I did write it as a joke. I guess it is like I'm exactly what I was talking about. Like kind of a joke that might just become real but they look great uh they they float that's an innovation that we haven't seen in fins just like those dragon sunglasses you know (laughs) yeah that makes me happy it's got my endorphins somewhat stimulated they do look great they look like great fins and i love that they float it's just one of those things it's like oh i don't know i'm sold now just because you told me they float i'm in take take my 130 us dollars is that how much they are? Yeah. I got a buddy that does, he like kind of has this licensing deal for surfboards over in Europe. I'm going to fuck it up. Rex Marshall. You know Rex Marshall? Nah. Nah. He has worked with some factories to get fins made because I guess it's the factories are down to work with you. And he swears it's one of like the major ones where a ton of fins come out of it. And he says he can land a set in Europe for 10 euro a set. I was like, oh shit. I haven't seen them yet, so I don't know. It's, I know they're not like the basic like plastic like we used to get 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I think it's like carbon fiber, whatever fancy looking thing. And he's like, yeah, you can get fins for pretty cheap. But I mean, obviously, Sweet. you know, there's a lot that goes into designing them rather than just like <laughs> demanding a basic order. One thing I learned about working at FCS is the research and development is no bullshit. I remember Rich Lovett, who was working with Mick Fanning. Rich Lovett was working, former 
uh, World Tour Surfer. Of course. Everyone will know Rich Lovett and he was working with Fanning on developing his custom fins. And I remember looking at this table with what looked like probably 30 sets of identical fins and they were all Mick in mixed fins in development. I can't even tell if I put my fins in backwards and here's Mick just just dialing things to the nth degree and just doing rounds and rounds of revision to get the perfect foil can for all the fin words. Oh, yeah. And I was, yeah, I was impressed. I can't believe you were in marketing there. What? what? <laughs> just trying to sell people fins. Fins don't sell themselves. I mean, they do now. They've got such catchy pun names. But up until up until Slater's innovation of of this catchy name thing, they, you needed to you needed to pedal them to the people buck. Yeah. Well, the upcoming Apple TV series that could make or break the WSL. We've talked about this on here before, but basically there is a WSL series coming, well, a series on the WSL called Make or Break. That's coming from a production company called Box to Box, which did the very popular Drive to Survive series on Netflix. And he just first off the bat, I know we we're talking about titles last thing, but you got to respect these guys for their consistency with titling. I mean, box to box, drive to survive, make or break, three words, get in, get out, get it done. It's great. Yeah, they're good. They're efficient. They're catchy. They're short syllables. They know what they're doing, Buck. Yeah. Anyway, the, the drive to survive series is great. It's had a real impact on F1. Like it's brought, it's proven to have brought way more fans in the sport, especially in the U.S., it's diversifying their audience. It's getting more women in, people of different backgrounds in. It's on Netflix and it was once the number one show on Netflix. So it's like a global, it's a massive thing. And most people Oh yeah, it's a it's a phenomenon, Buck. Yeah. Have you indulged? Yeah, sucked me right in. Oh, I remember yeah. I was watching that right when um, my partner and I had our first baby human child, first and only baby human child. And I was sucked into this series and I was just looking at this tiny little thing and I was just like, can you fall asleep? I just want to watch the next episode of Drive to Survive. I, I, I was like torn between my two new loves. I had Drive to Survive and, and this tiny little meat pillow of a human and I, I, I didn't know which one I wanted to pay more attention to. Pretty impolite. Made me feel like a horrible person. Pretty impolite of your kid to interrupt you like that. Teach you some manners. I know. I know, it could have come between seasons at least. But yeah, it sucked me right in. And it's fascinating. I actually chatted to Ronnie Blakey on this podcast and he was saying during the Australian leg of the tour that the filming that was happening, they had access to the inside world of surfing like no one's ever had before. And he said, you'd just be talking, standing there talking, absolute shit like we all do. And then all of a sudden a mic would just be hovering overhead with this boom arm. They've got license to go wherever they like and their sound guy has this boom um on this like extender pole it must be like 30 feet long you could be having a private conversation and you just get the feeling that someone is listening <laughs> and hovering about five feet above your head is this fuzzy mic no and you're just like, holy shit, what did I say? Really? What did I say? That happened to you multiple oh, times. And there was people saying that, oh my God. I don't know what I've just been saying for the last half hour. I was Holy chatting to shit. someone. So I, I hope they don't throw anyone under the bus. But, um, yeah, who, who knows? So is the Whose format- audio is going to feature in this, <laughs> this surfing documentary, <laughs> this <laughs> series. It's going to be outrageous. Guaranteed they're going to have some absolute gold oh, from yeah. that. They're going to catch people out talking shit about one another for sure. Because that's what we all do. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Far you know, out. I'm the most inappropriate person you know. <laughs> Yeah, it should be great. So for the piece, I talked to an F1 journalist who covered the sport for the New York Times. Uh, he recently wrote a piece for them talking about what the sport did for F1, how it changed it. So I spoke with him to really get a feel for how the inner wor- inner people of our world are probably going to perceive the thing and feel about it. And, you know, it's a Netflix show. Well, the make or break going to be on Apple TV+, Plus, but it's... It's aimed, it's not aimed at the core surf fan, obviously. If you're aiming something at the mm. core surf fan, you're not going that distribution route. But I think it's going to be incredible. It sounds like if, if the F1 series is any indication, they're probably going to get some shit wrong. Like he, 
it there's so many things that felt so similar to surfing. Like an example you provided was that like they might show they might be talking about one race and then they'll show one driver like a look inside their car, they little cameras right on the windshield or whatever. And you'll see another, and like the really avid fan will be able to see it's a different course. Like they'll recognize the curves or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I'm like, oh yeah, like, surfers are gonna do that easy. Like I don't think they'll get it like super wrong. Like they couldn't go from like pipeline to to Portugal or something. But wouldn't surprise me if there's like a J Bay to Bells type thing where like the avid yeah the guys like us are like, hey hey you can't do that. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I loved your piece on this. I thought it was. I thought it was fascinating to get that little inside track into what it actually means to the F1 world. I have trouble though, really think it's going to be this unlock into the greater audience like it has been in F1 in, in surfing in the same way. And I, I just don't, I just, I think driving cars is just relatable. We all drive them. We, we understand the, the risks involved and there's this real drama there. And then it's also almost rich porn where you, you're seeing all these people flying around the world with these fascinating lives. And the inside look into surfing will be so good, especially for us as surfers, but it, surfing still just doesn't translate. It's not relatable. Like we've all driven cars, we've all hit tennis rackets, we've all shot a basketball, we have some understanding of the degree of difficulty of all those things. And surfing doesn't have that. Even big wave surfing isn't relatable. Like it's spectacular, but it doesn't really sustain a viewer, a non-surf viewer beyond highlights in my mind. So I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this will take surfing to a bigger audience that hangs on in a significant way? I don't think to the extent that Drive to Survive did. I mean, just based off of the Netflix numbers versus the Apple TV Plus numbers alone, I think it's like Netflix has a couple hundred million, whereas Apple TV has like 20 million. Uh, so mm-hmm. that alone. Yeah, well, that, that's a cap right there in itself, yeah. Yeah. Apparently every, apparently every major sport after F1, if after that F1 show came out, was just like, all right, that's what we need. We're, did you tell me that? No, I'll take credit for it. Okay, well, let's just say you said this to yeah, me. It, it might've been Ronnie as well, actually. My understanding is once Drive to Survive came out, pretty much every sporting body, every single sporting body reached out to hmm. the production company yep. and asked them to do the same thing because it just it just took the sport to a whole different place. Their pick was surfing. Like they were intrigued by it. They you know, picked surfing? Yeah, they, they wow. were intrigued by surfing. I don't know. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe, maybe it will work. I think it will, just not to a huge extent. Like I think they're that company is obviously so fucking good. I think they're gonna make a really good show. And I think it will hit people that had no interest in surfing before this. And I think it will get some people to be like, Oh, I'll, I'll check this thing out. Like I'm in. I wanna see like this personality that I just kind of fell in love with or like learn to hate a little bit. I'm gonna see what happens like when they actually go and do their thing, but I don't know. Then I guess they're gonna get to the WSL and watch a twenty minute lull and be like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> Why aren't they? <laughs> Why isn't he like melting down a locker room? I, why, he's just in the ocean waiting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, didn't they hit you up to uh, and ask you if they can use some sound bites from our podcast on their show? They did. That's how I got. That's in. horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah so so get... us just talking absolute nonsense is potentially going to be spliced into the to an episode. I hope. Go read the story though. There's a ton of good information in there. One last thing I ended the story on was even though the you know, they filmed the entire year of 2021, they will be at Pipe for the season opener in 2022. So that tells you that something's going on. You know, I don't maybe Apple TV's already seen part of it and has committed to a second oh, season sneakily. Like I don't see any season. other. I don't see any other reason why they'd be at Pipe in 2022 if not. So I know they'll be All there. Right, I have another challenge for you. We need Ooh. to get your head on Drive to Survive, the Ooh. surfing one. What's it that's, called again? Make or break. That's the big leagues. That's the big leagues. All right, I'm on it. We need to get your face on there. This is your, you've got two challenges. Far out. You're going to be busy in Hawaii, nah. just bouncing around in the background of interviews. I'll go spooky for that one too. That one I really need to, I really need to make count. That's, that's my big opportunity. All right, I'm on it. Stabs 2021 Holiday Gift Guide. For very fussy surfers. 
So this, this is a piece that's not behind the paywall, so if you hate us and don't give us any money to access our great content, you can still read it. But we have detailed 29 gifts that will make somebody in your life very happy. Or maybe it won't make mm. them happy. Maybe it'll expose your lack of understanding and who they are as a person, and uh, you'll never speak again. Yeah, it's high stakes buying someone a gift. It really is. I think at this point we're coming down to just over a week out of Christmas. I think the only one on there that's that's really appealing that I could recommend wholeheartedly is a Stab Premium subscription because that is digital. That is an easy – that's like as easy as clicking a button on a website and then sending an email and Christmas is done. So that to me is is a very biased but – that's my that's my ultimate recommendation, especially with what we've got coming in the next year, Buck. We just announced Jack Robinson as the next stab in the dark. We've got a Kelly Slater electric acid episode coming. They've got more stab highway, more stab highs, more electric acids. Like the 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 long long list of of projects for next year is is if I can just try and do some blatant plugs right now. I think I think that's how you make people happy. Even if they don't surf, just a stab premium subscription, even for if it's for your mum, your grandma. Okay, good um, gift for dogs. You know, some people <laughs> Do you buy do you do people buy their dogs Christmas presents? Hundred percent they do. I say, I think we should put that challenge out there to our audience. If you buy I don't even know what we'll give you, maybe a free shirt, but if you somehow buy your dog a stab premium subscription, <laughs> then Danny and I will send you a prize. I don't know. You have to prove it. Uh, you've got our emails in the show notes, so buy it. Uh, I guess you'd be able to access your dog's subscription, but if you somehow prove that you've bought a stab premium subscription for an, an animal, then we'll send you a gift. Yes, and, it, and, and like we've said previously, it's the ultimate gift to give to a friend but then secretly get their email and login details and then also, you know, maybe also log in occasionally for yourself. Yeah, yeah, just to make sure it still works and that your friend's getting the value out of the gift because, you know, you got it's like a car. You got to just make sure you're starting it a lot and all the things. So yeah. you just got to exactly go like in. Exactly like a car. It's good doing, analogy. It's doing your friend a favor because you're a good friend and you, you love them. So it's, Yeah, and you love barking myself and you want to keep us in a job. So, you know, feel good about that if you want, if you want yeah. to feel good about things. Yeah, come on, feel good. It's Christmas time. Koa Smith is going to the moon. Uh, what? <laughs> the, hey, you're not clicking on that. Ah, yeah, I know. Well, okay, NFTs. We're back. We're back on NFTs. Danny and I are still trying to understand them. Yep. This one, there's that one called, was it Street Punks? Yeah, Street Punks. And so now they did a Surf Punks one that's just you buy the thing and it's on your phone and it's an NFT. But... What they've done is they've actually made it so that they're going to get everybody that's bought them together at, at the Wave Pool in Texas, at BSR, which confuses me even more because I'm like, what is, I thought it was a digital token, but then everybody's going to the Wave Pool and then the title, so this is a story on Stab Premium that Xander Morton wrote, but the title, Koa Smith is Going to the Moon, is true in the sense that there's some project that they're going to send digital copies of things to the moon. I, I guess just put them there like a fucking hard drive. And so they're going to put an NFT on the moon? And what do you make of it, Danny? <laughs> well, it's probably just my initial thoughts is one small step for NFTs, one giant step backwards for mankind. Like, Is that the biggest waste of resources ever? When I think about it, remember when I had that rant about volcanoes? No. I went on a rant about volcanoes once and how there was one erupting in the Canaries and I said, go surf because at some point a volcano is going to erupt, kill everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think about that. I just start, when I start to try to make sense of this whole world, I'm just, I just think back to that volcano. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me want to just be like, okay. I'm not going to try to understand things. I just, I'm going to go surf. And if a volcano erupts, then okay, we won't send stuff to the moon anymore because we're done. That's such sound reasoning. I can't even pick a hole in it. I like it. Hey, one thing that I thought when I read this story, and it is a fascinating story, and I love that Koa Smith is into the NFT thing. And I, I 
it didn't surprise me because he's such an early adopter of the latest trends. You know that like when companies market a product, they don't just target everyone. They target this segment or this psychographic of us that are the early adopters that take on new things early. And I just think Kyle Smith, he, he hits that he hits that profile so perfectly. He Every surf craze he's been on, he was early to vlogs. He was early to Skeleton Bay, GoProing himself, Top Knots, Wim Hof, every little thing that emerges now, NFTs, he just pounces on it and he's just the ultimate early adopter. And so, yeah, when I saw this, I was like, of course, of course he's sending shit to the moon and entering this space of confusing NFTs. Yeah, he's a early adopter, you know, he's still got the uh, <laughs> H logo. Have you been working for Kelly Slater's marketing department? How did <laughs> you just do that? I man, information coming soon. Um, <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. I respect that too. It's like, We've got an interview with Nathan Florence coming soon who's similar in the sense that he's pretty, he, he looks at the world differently than a lot of pro surfers do. He was pretty early, not as early as he would have liked him, and he says in the interview to the vlog thing, and he talks about how that whole world works, and Ryan Miller actually did the interview, a recent guest on here, and they have a really good, good friendship, so the conversation's actually fascinating. We'll probably play some audio on here once it goes live, but... They talk about just how much the role of like a professional surfer is changing, especially like you look at the the people who qualified this year and like so many people can't even get a sponsor to look at them. And so there are some people that are seeing like, okay, how, how else can I use this skill, this like attention I've gathered by being a good surfer to support myself? And so I think it is really cool mm -hmm. to see people trying things and and just yeah. realizing like, hey, okay, maybe maybe I can't rely on companies just sponsor me to go to events or do whatever i gotta figure out other ways so it's it's really is awesome to see like as much as we're having fun with the moon thing like i think it is pretty fucking cool that he's he's oh yeah i actually i back it completely and it, and it, another plug for stab premium uh, of something we're working on at the moment is this is a documentary on how surfers get paid because it's so fascinating it always has been in even in the traditional sense like i listened to one of the early interviews with mick fanning the other day of him talking about his career and the insights that he had and the moments where he learned these really pivotal pivotal things to to be in the place that he's in and then it also covering the the all the emerging markets that we have and people like Kawa Smith that are just just ruling in this new in this new world yeah I, I anyone who's out there making stuff you can't you can't criticize them you got to you got to respect so many people sit around and just munch bullshit about things they want to do or writing things off but anyone who's out there making stuff that's you that's you got to get behind it yeah yeah you gotta get behind it he's going to the moon all right folks it's time it's time it's time for a surf sim coming up to the holidays you want to come into them with a clear conscious i always fuck it up conscience and conscious Con conscience 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 <laughs> conscience you got it conscience you want to go into the holidays with a clear conscience and you know how you got to do that. You got to confess your surf sin and we will heal you. And we have Zach here today to confess and commence his healing journey. So let's hear from him. Tell us what you got, Zach. Hey guys, this is Zach from California. Hope you're doing well. I have a confession to make. I am a self Hooter. I too often hoot for my own waves. Uh, I don't do it intentionally. What happens is there'll be someone or a group of people inside of me and a wave comes through uh, and I give out a you. Uh, for whatever reason, people don't catch the wave. They they pearl on takeoff. A lot of times what happens is the person furthest to the shoulder next to me will think everyone inside of them's going and they don't go and then that guy doesn't go. And then, and then what happens, I get the wave. And then I realize, holy shit, I've just hooted for my own wave. I don't really give the hoot uh, for stoke for the people. Usually it's just to clear the lineup, get some space. I'm kind of encouraging everyone to go together, which also happens a lot. Um, but it's starting to weigh on me, 
and I'm ready uh, for my penance. Thanks, guys. Wow, Buck. That is a great surf scene. A confusing surf scene. A confusing surf scene, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, what do you think? Like, because I don't know what your read was on this, but at first he said he doesn't do it intentionally. But then he went on to explain why he does it in extreme detail and it's, it seemed like a bit of a selfish and almost evil trick that he plays. And he's either being like a little bit dishonest here or he might also be insane. I listened to it and I was like, okay, well, if, if I was him in that situation, I would keep my mouth shut. I, it's one of those things for me, I'd be like, this is working and I almost have an excuse because I'll be like, it's for the other people. And it's like almost like when you're on a roll gambling, you never want to, you don't want to say it out loud. You don't even want to think it. You know, you just want to kind of let whatever's happening keep happening. And so honestly, I would just, if I was Zach, I would just head down. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Keep doing it. Keep getting the waves. It's, yeah, it's a confusing one. Yeah. But you know, so we've all got tricks that we use to try and catch more waves in crowded lineups. And this might be one of the most creative tricks that, I've ever heard of. And it sounds like it's working for him wherever he's surfing. I don't think it would always work depending on the caliber of surfer, but yeah. But is this trick taking it too far? Is this, is this an unethical trick, Buck? I'm not sure. Cause that is, I think what we have to analyze it as is a trick because even if you were hooting yourself into waves, like I've seen Dane Godaskis do that. I've been in the water with him and he's just been paddling into a wave and he's just so excited <laughs> he just hooted <laughs> to himself. And I didn't Not everyone not everyone could pull that off, but if your last name's Gadowskis, then you I would only ever watch that with complete love. Yeah. Well, I mean, I watched it with complete love, like you said. I didn't think it, there was no foul, no harm, no foul there. And so even when he started saying that he's been hooting himself in, I was like, just immediately thought of Dane. I was like, no, that was kind of cool. I think everybody was kind of happy, just like this big, jolly, <laughs> smiley guy hooting himself in a wave. It was like, feel good. So I do think we have to analyze this as an act of trickery and deception. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to hear your penance, Danny. Oh, well, I didn't actually really land or anything because I was still just in this state of confusion but I just think there's something a little bit like if you break it down to exactly what he described he's a self-hooter and there's something a little bit like masturbatory about that it's just too yeah it's just it's confusing so, so I just think saying he needs to masturbate on a plane <laughs> I mean if he wants but I think maybe I think he just needs to take this hooting beyond himself and do some legit hooting in his everyday life and everywhere. So I think everywhere he goes for an entire day and he must eat out three meals, he must hoot his waiter, his takeaway <laughs> server, his taxi cab driver. He must, he must give some genuine and heartfelt hoots to everyone he encounters for a day. You know what? I was going exactly down the same route with this. And I think a way to make sense of it is, now that we're talking through it, is we don't really know why he's suiting. We're suspicious that he is doing it in a self-serving way. So I think by hooting at all times to people everywhere, (laughs) he'll really get in touch with why he's doing it and he'll be able to understand its relevance in surfing more deeply and and from there he can heal. Yeah, and he might even get in touch with what it feels like to be an owl. Just really understand the, the life of an owl, just hooting all day long. I mean, no, he'd have to go nocturnal. Maybe that could be the penance. He has to stay up all night and sleep all day for a week. But no, that's too <laughs> evil. I think he needs to get, yeah, I think he needs to throw some hoots out everywhere everywhere he goes for, for an entire day. And and that will, that will cleanse him, Buck, in my mind. I love it. I'm on the same page. Hoot away, Zach. You gotta... You gotta Is that our first ever totally like synced up penance where we've just we're sharing a brain at this point i think so i thought of it beforehand but the fact that you went there just feeling it out i was like oh okay wow this is it's meant to be zach get to hooting and like always we'd love some proof we're still waiting on jimmy kane's 
photos that are taken by a professional surfer during a pumping day of surf. That was his mm. penance. There's a mm. bunch think, of other penances that have been be dished out. I think Jimmy's going to be in Hawaii. Oh, oh. You know who else is going to be in Hawaii? A lot of pro surfers. Uh-huh. Well, and, and we're still waiting on some other proof. Teddy is one of the only people who's really come through with solid proof that he's acted out his penance. Yep. So, Iconic. Iconic, iconic daddy. So yeah, send through the proof. Yeah, also we got, uh, Danny got an email from somebody named Tanner this past week that just his sin was that he was maggot and said, asked Danny to say that I'm a cunt. And so (laughs) I actually love that. Um, If you ever find yourself in that position where you're intoxicated and somehow we come into your mind, email us. I would love a voice oh, note. I would love somebody just it doesn't have to be a sin, just yell at us. I don't care. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I welcome that. I actually that. also I also got an email from someone that my invention of the wetsuit that has a little urine dispenser or penis hole actually exists on some <laughs> New Zealand site. There's a couple of versions, one with a zip at the crotch, another one with this strange looking, I don't know, pointy penis type contraption. So I'm late to the game. I, I should have got my patent in years ago, but that's that's out there. I can't can't claim to be an innovative thinker on any level. Wow, late that's, adopter that exists, and yeah, I'm a late adopter, and I'm I'm also about to be a little bit poorer because I'm I'm throwing down, Buck. Wow. Well, email us if you have shit that Danny will buy. Email us if I'm a cunt. Send us voice notes of you yelling drunkenly at the sky. We will air them on here, Tanner. Next next weekend, I don't know if you're gonna go out again, go big again. You have a voice memo thing on your phone. Get it going. Let's hear it. And of course, let's hear some surf sins and let's uh, let's help everybody heal. All right, Buck. Well, uh, I'm gonna be gone for a, a few weeks, so you're gonna be on here with Mikey. What do you think you guys will talk about? I'm gonna miss you. I think we're actually just gonna become a cryptocurrency podcast. We're gonna sh- rebrand oh, entirely, um, and we'll just go through all that. I'm, I'm, as we've talked about here, I'm really well versed in that world, so it's kind of my area of expertise. Um, so yeah, I think we're done with the surf thing. And it's because the CS died. Don't you be honest? You're out of here because the the, qual- <laughs> <laughs> the Challenger series is gone. Dan just bails. Yeah, I'm hanging up my boots ever since Haleva. Yeah, you're is, trying to ooh, you're trying to come up these little excuses. No, thanks, Buck, and thanks, Zach from California. You ingenious and very evil man. Please send your surfs in. We love them. We want more, and or just any correspondence really you might have. Danny at stabmag.com, Buck at stabmag.com, or just click on through via the episode description, hit record, and just vent away your demons. For now, let's hear from Mikey and Stace. All right, and welcome back to the Stab Cusp. We have an abbreviated version this week um, with some rainfall. Probably you can hear in the background of my side right now because. I've just made landfall in the beautiful islands of Hawaii. Um, Stace, I see that you are actually occupying my bunker. What's going on in Australia right now? Yeah, I thought it was about time I got my own bunker. Um, I was pretty jealous of yours, just quietly. So yeah, I've got my own bunker, but yeah, likewise, uh, it's a bit noisy. So hopefully um, we we can get this abbreviated version done and dusted before shit gets too loud here. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. And um, yeah, so like I said, it's going to be a fairly quick episode. We just really wanted to talk about the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing um, and how it's all going to work and who some of our picks are for this year's event. So just to refresh your memory, this year, just like last year, is a digital event. Surfers will have one month to get their best two waves at Haleiwa, Sunset, and Pipeline. And they will be submitted online and they will be judged by a panel of, I think, some WSL judges and some kind of authority surf figures in Hawaii. And ultimately, the male and female surfer that have the top uh, cumulative score from their six waves will be the Vans Triple Crown champions. Obviously, last year we had John Florence and Carissa Moore win that award. And um, you'd have to say that they're probably favorites again this year, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I wanted to make a big note here that there is one major change to the rules, and that is that one of your waves, one of your six counting waves, whether it's at Pipeline, Haleiwa, or Sunset, 
must be written on what Vans is deeming a progressive craft. And essentially, that is anything that is not a super refined uh, thruster or maybe even a quad, because a lot of people rag quads that, you know, like pipe and stuff like that. So um, can be a board that's shorter than usual, can have a snub nose, it can have two fins, it can uh, potentially have four fins or one fin. Um, it can be a, a modified skimboard if you're Tom Curran. It can be a giant gun if you are uh, Kalani Chapman. Um, whatever you see fit, however you want to express yourself um, most eclectically on one of these waves in Hawaii, uh, that is going to be your progressive ride. And uh, basically, the more audacious the craft relative to the wave will get you the highest score. So we're basically saying that somebody packing a pipe bomb on an alaia, just basically a wooden plank with no fins, would probably get the highest score in that category. So that's the big change. Stacey, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, uh, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is Malia, when she was in Australia, picked up a channel bottom uh, from Dale Wilson, who shapes Burning Spears surfboards. So I don't know if a channel bottom would fall into that category, but they certainly don't get ridden a lot. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how far people bend the rules and, and actually uh, steer clear of a, you know, quote-unquote normal board because all those Hawaiian waves certainly get ridden pretty well with thrusters. <laughs> it's true, but here's the thing is you're not just judged on like it's not like oh this board technically falls into the progressive craft criteria and therefore your wave is just judged one to one against every other wave it's like the as i said the more audacious the more ridiculous almost in a way the board and the more kind of courageous you'd have to be to put it in the position the higher it will be scored so it's not just like a one-to-one -one scale. It's like if you could either surf a fairly normal but somewhat progressive board really well and probably get a, a decent score, or you could surf an outrageous surfboard, not necessarily like the most incredible performance, but the fact that you went out and did it on a 10-foot wave or whatever, they'd have to score that high. So you're kind of trying to blend like and see how far you can push that end of the spectrum. Like how, how wild can you go while still staying in control? Oh, I have no idea. I actually, uh, I didn't make the cut this year, which is really disappointing um, considering my 11th place finish in the Vans Triple Crown last year. Um, I don't know. I guess I, yeah, I guess they, they were a little intimidated, I think. So they didn't let me in this year. <laughs> oh, you sound like someone's father when a certain grommet was getting a lot of wild cards to CT saying that everyone was scared. It could be true this time though. <laughs> All right, well, I want to actually bring you through a list of some of the surfers that we have in this year's event. So I'm going to run through um, some of the men and some of the women, and yeah, I think it'll give you a pretty good idea of who's in it and who could potentially win it, and then we'll do some picks. Sound good? All right, so th these are not all the names. I am cherry-picking a little bit, uh, but I do want to include some of the kind of real kind of local favorites, um, some just general big name favorites, and then maybe a few names that you wouldn't even recognize. Uh, all right, so on the men's side, we have Harry Bryant, Mickey Clark, Al Cleland Jr., Griffin Colapinto, Crosby Colapinto, Sheon Crawford, Kalani David, Emai Kalani Duvall, Ethan Ewing, Mikey February, although potentially um, with what's going on in South African travel right now. I don't know if Mikey's going to make it. I hope he does. Um, Apollo Fleming. That's a new name for me. Ivan Florence, Nathan Florence, John Florence, Jack Freestone, uh, who did, by the way, um, just part ways with Pizel. I think he's trying to diversify his quiver a little bit. So that is uh, official hey, hey, news now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Throwback to an earlier for that ball. alternative win. Oh, sorry, progressive. Yeah, I think he's taken the, the progressive craft rule very seriously <laughs> he's got a fleet of albums coming in and he will not uh sleep until he gets the highest progressive craft score uh we've got the godowskis brothers we've got lucas godfrey we've got tomas hermes mason ho cliff capono billy kemper caius king alex nost zeke lau kai lenny um i'm actually pretty curious to see what he brings out in the progressive progressive craft realm <laughs> i feel like he's got a few things in the garage that could tick that cr criteria 
um, Tori Meister, Mackay McNamara, Seth Moniz, Eitan Osborne, Kai Paula, uh, Justin Quintal, who is a world champion longboarder, um, Jack Robinson, Koa Rothman, Koa Smith, um, Shane Sykes, and the list goes on, um, all the way down to Tosh Tudor, who we were joking might have to ride one board on a standard shortboard <laughs> to fulfill his end of the criteria. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty uh, diverse, interesting, and extremely talented group. So why don't we go through first and do, or no, I'll go through the women as well, and then we can go through kind of venue by venue, and we can do some picks. All right, so on the women, we have got Inara Imat, Gabriella Bryan, Courtney Conlog, Leanne Curran, Leah Dawson, Pua DeSoto, um, Nadio Aerostarbe, that's a new one for me, um, Irie Fitzgerald, Brisa Hennessy, Coco Ho, Moana Jones, Keala Kennelly, um, Mahina Maeda, Malia Manuel, Zoe McDougal, Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson, Karina Rizunko, Betty Lusakura Johnson, Hannah Scott, Samantha Sibley, Luana Silva, Sarah Taylor, Holly Wan, and a few more. I don't have the most updated list of the women, but I think that they are close to, if not already, uh, filled their entire roster. So um, that was a lot of names. I hope you wrote them all down. I'm sure you did. So now we're going to go through event by event and pick some winners. And there is one rule. You can only pick one surfer per event. So John Florence, for instance, last year, he technically got the highest score at Haleiwa, highest score at Pipe, highest score at Sunset. And of course, he won the whole thing. But you can only choose John John for one venue this year. So uh, in traditional Triple Crown fashion, let's start with Haleiwa. Who you got, men and women? Uh, I'll go Robbo and Betty Lou Sakura Johnson. Okay. I'm going to go John and Betty Lou. Um, I think John is the most untouchable out there, especially if we get a real swell. And um, Betty Lou is a, a pretty obvious one for yeah what we just Well, let's saw. be honest. He's the most untouchable anywhere. So <laughs> you've just used him in your first round. So I'd like to see where you go for the next two. <laughs> well, I don't think you're, uh, you're going to be too surprised that I'm going to go Jack Rabo at Sunset um, because I think he has an ability to find tubes where they just shouldn't even necessarily exist. Like he makes that wave look like some ugly stepbrother of the box somehow even though most of the time it just feels like this big wonky wobbly thing he just finds these little slabs on the inside that are wild and if all else fails um he could just sabotage his competitors with some quote-unquote mistimed duck dives a la the 2019 final (laughs) yeah i actually had a scenario like that doing some mock heat the other day and i just said well the two has set the standard. No call. You can just bail your board whenever you want. So, <laughs> um, but no. In all seriousness, you're right. He's he's very special out there. He makes a a very wide playing field look like a peak, and uh, he's he's got that place on a string. So yeah, I can't I can't use him. Um, sorry, who did you pick for your women's pick? Uh, I'm going to go Carissa for the women because, as I mentioned before, I think that Sunset is just so wobbly and weird and backwashy. And to me, Carissa is just the most sure-footed woman in surfing. She's just so strong. And, um, I, yeah, I just see her being able to connect a few waves out there better than anybody else. It's really hard to go past Carissa Moore out big, wobbly Sunset. It's such a crazy wave. Uh, I think with the men, I'd like to see Ethan Ewing. Um, take the win there I think over a month with clips I don't think I've seen anyone surf faster out there I know that's a big call but he's incredible the way he surfs that wave Um, not as good in the barrel as Robbo out there but on the open face like just as good as anyone so I think uh, I'd like to see him do pretty well and then in the women I really don't know out of the younger women who spent a lot of time out there. It's hard to go past Carissa, but I will. Uh, I'll go Gabriella Bryan. Okay. Yeah. Gabby, like Carissa, is super, super powerful and sure-footed. So I think that's probably a good call. I was a little surprised you didn't go with Malia. Malia had a really good wave out there last year in last year's Triple Crown. I know, but I might be saving her for somewhere else. Ooh, okay. 
All right. Well, that brings us to the last venue, um, Pipeline. And yeah, why don't you go first? Malia's been spending a lot of time on the North Shore and uh, I think it's time. Pack a few pipe bombs and go for the win. So I'll go take Malia there. A special mention to Moana Jones as well. I think she's going to be really strong out there and uh, I'd also like to see her do pretty well. And then in the men... It's just too hard to go past John Florence with a month up his sleeve. Um, he is heir to the throne out there, and I don't All think right. he can be Interesting. touched. See, I kind of think that's a a bit of a... I mean, granted, he won it last year, but I think that's a little bit of a risky call just in the sense that, in my mind, the most amount of people could, tech, could theoretically win at pipe. Because it's as much as it is the gnarliest, heaviest wave ever it is a little bit easier to drop in and get barreled than it is to thread three or four huge turns, I think, at Sunset or Haleiwa. And, yeah, so I am going to go with Mason Ho for the men. Um, I think that he's been a standout in early season sessions out there with a couple of those backdoor waves. And I also just know that Mason is such a surf history nut, and he would just love to have his name alongside Michael and Derek as Triple Crown event winners. So I think he's going to put a lot, a lot of time in out there like because he knows what's at stake and and he knows what he's capable of out there. So yeah, I'm going Mason on that. And for the women, I'm going with Moana Jones. Your, your shout out, especially if we get some West Swells, um, that will be the big thing because right now there's a ton of sand over pipe. Um, you've probably seen in the event um that's going on right now it's just basically a giant sandbar but we do have a bit of a west swell coming it's not huge but hopefully it'll push some of the sand off so that when another swell comes uh the reef will be ready and i'm sure moana will be ready can't miss the bin man mikey that was close Whew, i would have been in deep shit uh, where did I leave you? You were talking about there's a lot of sand on the reef there at Pipeline, so you need a bit of west to, to, to get rid of it all, which I hope happens soon because it's halfway through December and that's the kind of shit that you usually hear about in November. Yeah, it's actually, it made me think like how fortunate we are that the CT event didn't run in this window because this is typically when that happens and it would have been a really, really um, anticlimactic end to the season, whereas Lowers was pretty spectacular. Um, so I think that WSL made a good call there. And on the other side, though, backdoor is outrageously fun to surf when it's a sandbar. For the for the average fucking punter like us, it is like way more fun to surf it like that than with 100 people and death slabbing over two feet of reef. So if you ever get a chance, um, yeah, swing down to sandbar backdoor and you can tell all your friends that you surf the most deadly wave in the world. Yeah, definitely done that a few times. Um, paddled out the pipe side when it's two foot and come home and tell everyone you surf pipe. <laughs> it's the Hawaiian way. Um, so anyway, um, I will be here for the next, whew, I think like six weeks or so. Um, so if you need any sort of on the ground intel, hopefully I will be able to provide it. I've been creeping around in the bushes a little bit, um, trying to get a sense of what's going on. There hasn't been much legitimate swell yet, but the Triple Crown period is about to start on December 21st, and hopefully the ocean kicks into gear a bit. Yeah, I really... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. There's a few names there uh, that are in, entered into the digital event that have had massive years on the road. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how quickly they get back over there and, and hopefully can you know make the most of uh, that window because... If you spend a lot of time away from home, you, you generally this time of year around Christmas, you, you don't tend to leave, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting to see nonetheless. And yeah, so on that point, what are all like the Australians doing? Did, did Callum and Jacko go home? Yep. Jacko's home. Um, he's having a big shindig at the Prince. If anyone wants to turn up there in, uh, Newcastle. Um, I believe probably tonight by the time this podcast comes out. So yeah, there's my invitation to Jacko's qualification party. <laughs> <laughs> so what, it's it's just like a three-day quarantine for New South Wales now, so they're able to move a bit more freely? No, you've got to do, um, you can quarantine at home now. So I think that you still need to do 14 days, but it's at home. It's not in a hotel. And when did Jacko leave? 
Uh, you need to be fully vaccinated and have a negative test. So Jacko left, I'm not too sure, probably pretty soon after. I think a lot of crew did get flights home pretty easily. Um, and then funnily enough, I think they, they left Hawaii to go to LA and fly home, but then the flight had a diversion back through Hawaii again and they had a 24-hour layover oh my in Waikiki. God. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Oh, I think they made the most of it, went down to Dukes and had a few nachos and some margaritas and then continued on All their right, way home. Just to remind everyone, we will be doing a full rookie overview of, I think, the 14 rookies that are coming onto the CT this year, which is pretty wild to wrap your fucking head around. Um, that'll be coming up in, I don't know, sometime in the next few weeks. And then, yeah, we'll be at the end of the Triple Crown period, which is January 21st. We'll be going straight into the Pipe CT event on, I think, January like 28th or something like that. So a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks and months. And uh, yeah, we'll be here to chat about it all. So Stace, unless you have anything else, I think that's it for this week's episode of the Stabcast. Thanks, Mikey and Stace. And thank you for listening. Keep yourself since coming. Give yourself a... Give yourself a guilt-free Christmas. Start the new year just on a beautifully clean mental slate. I'll be back in a couple of weeks and Mikey and Buck will be, uh, they'll be running the show. In the meantime, be all you can be. Believe in yourself and believe in aliens.